This podcast is presented by DistroKid, an incredible service for musicians that helps you upload your songs to all music streaming platforms from iTunes to Spotify and Apple Music, then pays you revenue from your songs all in one place. They've got a really cool new feature called Splits that allows you to add collaborators so you can pay your co-writers and fellow musicians without needing an accountant. To get 30% off your first year's DistroKid subscription, just head to distrokid.com slash VIP slash hard times. Today's episode is brought to you by Deathwish Inc. For over 20 years, Deathwish has been the go-to label for emerging punk and hardcore. That continues today with recent releases from scene staples and promising newcomers such as Modern Life is War, Greek Death, Chastity, Converge, Frail Body, and more. Get 10% off all Deathwish music and merch in their store right now using the link deathwishinc.com slash the first ever, which automatically applies the discount and filters the site for all items included. Again, that is 10% off all Deathwish releases and merch at deathwishinc.com slash the first ever. Do you want a recommendation? Blacklisted, heavier than heaven, lonelier than God. A classic. Hello and welcome to the first ever podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Bohm. If this is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. My guest this week for episode 93 is Andy Norton of the band Praise. They have a new record out called All in a Dream. It is one of my favorite records of the year. It is high, high up there. It is an unbelievable record. And if you haven't checked it out, you should do that absolutely immediately. Um, reminder that there is a bonus episode with this podcast available right now over on the Patreon. Just go over to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon to hear that. You can subscribe and uh, submit questions to upcoming guests. There is bonus Radio Hour episodes. There's a Discord channel. All sorts of stuff happening over there. This week, my brand new poetry book, which is uh, called December, um, arrived. And I will be sending those out as the uh, $10 tier gift. Um, I'm going to be signing those and sending those out to, to subscribers who are kind enough to subscribe at that $10 level. Um, but that's just one of the things you get. Uh, for more information, seriously, hit up patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon. Um, all right, without further ado, here's the, my conversation with the awesome Andy Norton. What's up, Andy? How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Are you in, uh, where are, are you a DC guy? Where are you? I'm, I'm right outside of DC in Silver Spring. It's still Maryland. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's right outside of DC. Okay. So. Is that where you're born and raised? No, I, well, I was born and raised in Maryland, uh, but I lived, the area I grew up in was called Columbia, Maryland. It's where like Void is from and Edward Norton and uh, <laughs> lots, lots of cool stuff. Yeah. 
I, I, th- that's two very sick uh, things to attribute to a place, just Void and Edward Norton. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, congr- I mean, this is a this is early for this, but congrats on the record being out. Thank you, um, thank you. I appreciate it. Actually, I don't know if I know this. When is the is the vinyl like one of those things? Is like it's far away, or is that going to be shipping soon? Uh, so it was supposed to be out on on uh, the sixth, but it was like stuck on a truck or something like something like that. But uh, as of this week, it's supposed to be out on Friday, but which okay. is the, I guess the twentieth. Um, but who knows? As long as we have it for the the gig on the twenty eighth, I'm good to go. So is that a so you're doing you have like a record release show? That's the one with like anxious, right? Yeah, it's anxious glitter ceremony and uh, a band from DC called Demand. Oh wow, that is stacked. What venue is it at? At Metro in Baltimore. Oh, very cool. Very cool. How you feeling about it? I'm nervous, but uh, I feel good about it. It'll be fun. We have a lot of fun stuff planned. So, is uh, is Daniel going to be able to play, or is he still yeah. going to be on tour? Yeah. So we we scheduled it uh, within his. Uh, small window so like turnstiles play in 9 30 club on that thursday and sunday and the gig is on the saturday so oh that's awesome very small window but we made it work yeah praise is one of these bands that i mean i know uh i feel like whenever we've communicated it's been um my band trying to make your band come on tour with us and it's uh i know it's been a difficult process because i think everyone has so many things going on especially daniel um, but I mean, I've really liked what, what the band has done for a really long time. And it just gets me psyched that like, you know, you guys still have the ability to put out records and play shows here and there, you know, regardless of being able to, you know, do full us tours and stuff. Yeah. Th- and thank you. We, we do appreciate that. And we obviously would love to play with touche, but it's just, it's difficult. So uh, I get it. I get it. I totally get it. It's, there's a, uh, I feel like especially you've been around long enough that when someone when you just you're like, yeah, it's just not possible. Like, there's like there's certain bands that it's always just like, I'm going to still poke at them maybe once a year. Just yeah. be like, maybe something's changed. Like uh, another good example of that is that band Incendiary. Yeah, like, I love that band. I think they're so sick. And like, though, uh, though Incendiary and Touche are like very different sonic bands, like you know, we have a lot in common uh, in, in a lot of ways. And I like those guys a lot. But it's like, yeah, every time it's just like, nah, man, sorry. Like, we're, yeah. we're still just like weekend warrior guys. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's and that's kind of the same for us. It's just like, we do it when we can do it. And uh, that's whenever the stars align. So right. Yeah. I mean, I was excited. I got to catch you guys on the West Coast. And that was probably already what, like five years ago, probably four years ago. Was that with Fury? Yes. I think that was six. It was like 2016 end of 2016 yeah. so six years ago yeah i was i was super amped that that uh that happened um i was yeah that was at the echo i believe but yeah i was i was super super stoked um but it seems like you've always been someone who's kept really busy when i was obviously doing research for this episode i was like jesus christ this this man has played in a lot of bands yeah yeah uh i i guess you could, yeah i like to stay busy i like to keep my mind occupied how many so. bands are you in at the moment uh so just just praise the last uh the last band i did was was a band called guilt parade and um uh i did i stopped playing in them a couple years ago too but uh i just uh my time is limited and i and all that i want to focus it when it comes to music i want it to be praise sure 
Yeah, I so. feel like maybe that's a thing too when you get older as well, where you're like, okay, I feel like I can kind of funnel this into just kind of one project as opposed to making yourself go a little crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. And I, I just uh I have I have limited mind space for creative stuff. So it's like there's like a handful of stuff that I, I, I can put my energy into and, and when I do it I wanna want it to be a hundred ten percent and don't want to be a disservice to the other people I'm making music with, like whether that's praise or uh, another band. So if I don't, sure. if I can't give the attention it deserves, then I'm typically like, nah, I just can't swing this right now. Right. And I th- and ultimately that makes you a great band member as well. When you're able to like notice that and realize that. I, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first question I usually ask uh, musicians is when you were growing up, what was the first thing that you connected with musically that felt like it was yours? Maybe not something that was being played in the house by your folks or whoever you were you know, raised with, but like, you know, the first time that you found something on your own and gave you an identity. Uh, the, well, so music was always on in my house. My parents are big music fans and, uh, I had a wide assortment of stuff. And then the first like stuff I, I remember really loving was like Paul Abdul. And there, you know, I don't know if you remember another bad creation. Yes. At the playground. So, yeah. So exactly. And there's that song Aisha, which is like the chorus of that song was like the first time I felt something with music. Wow. Uh, so, okay. yeah. And I remember that very vividly, but like, I would say the first, the first band was, was green day. Like I remember I was at, uh, me and my brother were at our friend Robbie Fuhrer's house and the Longview video came on and uh, it just, it, it blew our minds. And for some reason we thought the band was Irish. I, I don't know why we thought they were Irish, but yeah, um, it just like, it was relatable. Like, I mean, I was like 10, but, but it, they looked closer to something like I would be friends with or a person I would know. And, uh, and, and yeah, and then Green Day. So like after Green Day, that just, changed my changed my world and i think that you can trace everything i've done musically back to green day in some way sure we have to be pretty close in age then uh i was born in 83 yeah i'm an 83 oh okay yeah i was like this is lining up so much i was like yeah because i loved i had i feel it's funny when you've probably talked to people in the past about another bad creation they probably might a not even be aware yeah or b like well what's funny is like they were a part of, you know, obviously the, that East Coast family where it was like, you know, yeah. like ABC, BBD, like Bell Viv DeVoe and Boys to Men. Exactly. Yeah. But like, I think that Criss Cross kind of like overshadowed yeah. what another bad, because I mean, that was obviously, I think what they were trying to capitalize on who came first. I'm not necessarily sure. What do you think? I, I really don't know. I, I I feel like all that stuff was kind of happening simultaneous. Simul- it was like a result of... uh like new edition and stuff like that. So like all of that stuff was happening simultaneously. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I love that stuff. Like I think it's like new Jack swing or something like that. That era of music is just so awesome. I think that maybe you're the same as me. Like I haven't, you know, obviously thought about this in a really long time, but I'm wondering if the reason I also liked another bad creation, maybe more than even crisscross was, I think crisscross seemed maybe a little bit older yeah, they're like another, teenagers. Yeah, whereas like another bad creation, like those were children. Like exactly. That was, and I was like, well, I'm a, I'm, we're the same age. Yeah, exactly. That's a hundred percent true. Yep. 
um i remember reading through the lyrics to the at the playground uh song and there's like one verse that's like pretty dark where it's like oh, it's really like, yeah 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 I, I think i forget what happens in it but someone brought it up uh not too long ago and i and i was like kind of surprised by it but it's I mean, I'd like to revisit that record. I wonder if that record's it's, on vinyl somewhere. Yeah, I, I don't know, but I listen to it fairly regularly on Spotify. And still, yeah, yeah, I, I that like that that era of music. I, I can you know, constantly revisit and uh, that's cool. You know, that uh, the song Aisha he talks about like eating cereal and playing Nintendo like as a date, and it's like, I mean, that's pretty cool, man. Like it's wholesome as hell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, were you a big, uh, not in the same family, but like definitely of that era. Another record that I really connected with at that time was, uh, that is still like one of my favorite hip hop records of all time is that is, uh, Arrested Development. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah that- I haven't, I honestly haven't listened to that one in a long time, but, but I do at the time remember waiting for the video to come on MTV and stuff like that. Yeah. Like between Tennessee and Mr. Wendell, like all of those tracks were yep. like, it just, it, uh, I mean, it, for people in our age group like that era of music just as a whole was just so exciting where you're also at an age where you're not um too cool for anything you know so it's like you can't you can like green day and you can like you know uh nirvana and pearl jam and all that stuff and allison chains but also at the same time you're just as excited about coolio boys to men all of those things that are yeah man what a time yeah great time Great time. <laughs> what was your uh, what was the first concert you went to? So so that time period was cool because, well, I mean, one, because it was like formative, but also my dad didn't really like my dad's a guitar music guy. So he didn't really uh, like music from the 80s. Uh, he didn't like when I talk to him about it now, like he revisits stuff, especially stuff that I like from the 80s, like even like Bad Brains and Minor Threat. And he's like, oh, yeah, I wish I'd known this stuff was happening. But around that time you had like that alternative movement, you know, that had, you know, Green Day, Pearl Jam, all all the bands you just listed. And he kind of like fell in love with music again when all that stuff was happening. So he would take us to, to lots of gigs. And the first one he took us to was uh, gin blossoms, cracker and spin doctors. Wow. Yeah. And that was, that was in 94. And uh, was it, do you remember who headlined? Jim Blossoms. And it's 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 funny happy. that we're doing this podcast because on Saturday I saw my dad and we were going through photos. And at that gig, we were we were pretty close to the front. And I recall next to me there were some like I loosely used the term punkers. In my head, there the the girl had a mohawk. I don't know if that's actually true, but she was eating ketchup packets, like just like ripping it open, putting it in her mouth and squeezing it out through her teeth. Yeah. And I thought it was really bizarre. But uh what I was getting to, I'm sorry for going off track there. Okay. What I was getting to was that um, the, the, when Jim Blossoms played, the the singer was pretty intoxicated and had a Polaroid camera on stage. So it was like taking photos of the band while they were playing and then throwing them out into the audience. And then my dad got one and got one signed by the guitar player. It's right here. Wow. Yeah. So that's awesome. And I, I thought I thought it, it had disappeared. I thought it was gone in it. Uh, he asked me the other day if I'd been looking for it. So Damn, and that's from your first concert. From yep, yep. And then he he has the shirt. Well, I, he gave it back to me, but there's I have the tour shirt from that gig too that that he saved. Wow, and it yeah. fits and everything. Uh, it's a little big, but uh, yeah, but yeah, it, it works. Damn, that's awesome. And I, and what a cool memento to have, like just with you from your first concert. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah, 
Uh, man, uh, what do you remember from seeing the Spin Doctors? They were awesome. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the what like Little Miss can't be wrong can't be... and Two Princes. Those songs are great. Like they're undeniable. Like I, they're fantastic <laughs> songs. You know, and then there's the, that's that the, the what time is it song? And yeah, I feel like uh, when I when I when I when those songs come on, the first thing I always notice is the snare drum. I feel like the snare is pretty, oh yeah pretty present. It's pretty intense. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, uh, I know you uh, you played bass in bands. Was bass your first instrument? Yeah. So it was it was kind of guitar because my parents had bought my brother a guitar. And then by the time I wanted to play music, they were like, well, we brought your, bought your brother a guitar. So like you figure it out with him. Like we're not, we're not buying you another instrument. So I would like play around on his guitar. And then it seemed like most of my friends also play guitar. So I, you know, traded someone something or borrowed a bass and just learned how to play bass. So. Okay. And were you like, how, what's the age group there? Like, like how old were you at that point? so probably 13 13 or 14 oh, yeah nice yeah. nice so was the idea of like well i guess if you're playing guitar and i'm playing bass then i guess we're a band did that type of stuff happen honestly i i started playing an instrument because i wanted to be in a like i wanted to be like mike dern or something like that yeah, you know what yeah, i mean yeah. like i i green day made, made playing in a band seem like it, it was possible you know and that's i think that that's like a uh, a reoccurring thing with like hardcore and punk music or, or, or green day in particular, or Nirvana even is that like, you, you see someone like that on the TV and it looks closer to you. Whereas like prior to that, it was like, you know, ABC or Bobby Brown, which like obviously can't sing or dance like that. Or like Jimi Hendrix who I love, yeah. but like, it's like the greatest to ever do it. And then you, you see people that kind of look like you, you're like, Oh, I, I can do this. And then, Yeah. I you know this is this is probably a dusty ass conversation or thing to say right here, but, but no. But what I was to say was I you know my heart kind of goes out to kids who are that age now with a lot of rock bands to wear like or like even the last you know honestly like ten fifteen years where so much of the rock music that is on the radio is like very electronic based and it all seems very very overproduced. Whereas like a lot of the stuff that was popular and big on the radio for our age group was yeah. stuff that was like three chord power chord songs and it did seem obtainable uh, yeah i i think about that a lot i think but but honestly i i feel the reverse way i think it seems more attainable because all of those it's like easier to access all of those things and create your own music like you know garage band comes on every computer and or you know some kind of program sure um, but and i yeah but but I guess like the way social media and digital music is now like it, it I don't know I, I kind of don't re- know where I'm going with this but no, but no, I, I, I agree I with what you, I agree with what you're saying but I also think it might be easier uh, or like that barrier might not be there as much sure okay I, yeah I mean I could definitely I could definitely see both sides to it I just I think my head was going from like there are elements of of some of the biggest hits from the 90s that feel so like primitive. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, whereas, I get that. Like, you compare it to like, you know, a Fallout Boy single of, from the last couple of years that's like so big sounding and, and all of that. You know what I'm saying? I think that's where my head was going with it. But... Yeah, yeah, I understand. I like, I mean, I still, my brain still kind of works that way. It's like, 
you know, I listen to lots of, lots of types of music and most musics in terms of like writing, it's always like punk rock or hardcore where as I'm like, yo, I can, I can do that and I can make stuff similar. And then when I listen to like, you know, yeah, like you said, electronic music or something like that, I'm just like, I, I don't, I don't know how to do this. There's too much going <laughs> on. Like I, I'm out. I, I need just like four, a guitar, bass and drums and I'm good. Yeah. So. Uh, what, uh, so what was the first band you ended up doing? So the first band, what there was like something in high school that we had one song, but we didn't really do anything called the, I called it the embarrassments. And it was like, you know, pop punk and probably like in the realm of like green day or MXPX or something like that. And then the first band that like, you know, played a, a handful of shows and stuff like that was a band called first, it was called sleep, sleep it off. And then the name got changed to scream for change. Okay. And that was like, I think at the time that all the, the four of us all agreed on like kill your idols and kid dynamite. So okay. like, that was probably the hopes of what it sounded like. I don't think it sounded like that, but in our heads, that's what we wanted. Yeah. Sort of like the, the more aggressive version of pop punk in sort of a way. Yeah. I, yeah, I yeah. There's still a little bit of melody in there. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, that name sounds like it would, I, I think it just reminds me of chorus of change. It sounds very strike anywhere esque. Oh yeah. 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 I definitely love strike anywhere for sure. That band is so good. They just played out here and I'm kicking myself that I, and ended up make, getting to make it but they actually played with x out here too which is like that's such a wild show. that's interesting yeah that yeah weird? i yeah. wonder how that came about yeah interesting for real. um but uh that's awesome you know i was also thinking about through this conversation just mike dirt in in general where i do you agree that he's sort of like an un, like underrated bass player because you got trey cool in there that's kind of steals the shine from everybody yeah and i also think he's a uh he doesn't get respect as much respect as he should for his backup vocals. Like ah. he re if you watch live videos, he really like steps everything up. I mean, every, every, that band is the sum of all its parts, obviously, but yeah, but yeah, his, his backup vocals are amazing. He's like, he, I wouldn't say he carries uh, Billy Joe, but like, he certainly, he certainly elevates lot. them. Yeah, yeah, he elevates, elevates them. that's, Elevate yeah. is the, the word to use for sure. Damn, that's, yeah. We talk about him kind of often in the band and like, you know, we'll play a dookie or something like that in the van sometimes while we're driving and it's just like, everyone's always air drumming and stuff, but then occasionally we're just like, fuck man, the fucking, the random just like bass fills in the middle of songs are just like crazy. It's insane, yeah, yeah. When I was, when I was in middle school, uh, this girl, I was like talking on the phone with this girl I had a crush on. She was like, my brother just learned the bass line to when I come around and like mm -hmm. held the phone up to the bass and played it. And I was like, that's not it. That doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound like it. And then like years later, I learned how to play and was like, man, he was actually playing it. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so what was, uh, what was the first show you ever played? So I like, we there, there was like a like for my 14th or 15th birthday that we had like a birthday party and like me and my brother and a couple of friends did a cover band and covered like again like minor threat and mxpx or less than jake or something like that yeah but the, the thing i kind of think of as my first show is is uh the band sleep it off or scream for change uh played at this place called the sound exchange which was in, it was a record store in ellicott city uh which is like right next to Columbia where I grew up and they, they were, I don't, 
it seems like they were there for a long time, but you know, when you're 15 time is stretched out. So I don't really know how long, but apparently they had a bunch of like last shows there. And, uh, this last show was, uh, it was like over the, it was like two shows over the weekend and we played the first night and it was like kill your idols. And then a bunch of Maryland bands, like this band Chernobyl kids who had members of like no justice and P tanks. And I think, I think torn apart may have played, uh, but it was like a really tiny record store. And that's kind of what I think of as my first, first gig. Damn. That's cool that your first show you got to play with a band that was you listed as one of your influences. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Killer Idols were, were a really important band for sure. Um, it's a it's a thing that gets brought up a lot, but I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on it, which is I think the coolest thing about punk and hardcore is that uh, th- because the ceiling is so low, like if you put in just enough effort, it's not impossible to play with your favorite bands. Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, at that the, the I mean, I guess they are intimidating in general, but at that time, you know, being 15 or 16, I was, I didn't talk to them. I was very intimidated, but yeah, but, uh, but yeah, that's absolutely true. And in my lifetime, I've pretty much played with every band I could, you know, besides like maybe one that I, yeah, you know, that uh, really inspires me or moves me or changed my life in, in a big way, you know? Being so. from, this is probably jumping ahead or I don't know. It just popped in my head. It, it feels like a nice segue, but like being from that area, have you had the opportunity to meet a lot of like the discord, like heroes that have been around? Uh, I wouldn't say meet, but I've like, you know, seen them around and stuff like that. I did. Um, I remember we went to a gig at Wilson center. Uh, you know, a friend took me there and, uh, Ian was doing the door and that was, those would have been like 98 or 99. And I was like, Ian from minor threat is taking my money. Like, this is crazy. This is wow. insane. You know, I mean, it's anytime he's when he's at a gig or whatever, it's still, it still kind of feels like that, but yeah, but yeah, That's, it's pretty cool. Uh, I have a friend, I don't know if you, if you know, uh, Anthony from, from ceremony, but, uh, mm-hmm. he had a funny story where he was at like a vegan, a vegan restaurant in LA here. Mm-hmm. He was sitting across from, and he was like, he got sat down and then like, Ian and Henry Rollins were just having dinner together, just the two of them. No, and, and, he, and he literally was like, he asked if he could move tables. He was like, I just, I can't be around that. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to focus on eating. No. I'm, I'm just going to be trying to eavesdrop, and that's not cool. So, like, Absolutely. I just got to, I got to move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. That'd be, that'd be distracting for sure. Absolutely, because also you'd just be like, I, you'd be tempted to want to like say something, and you're like, I, I don't want to interrupt. Yeah, it's yeah, not- yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um what uh what was what about the first time you recorded so that would have been uh i mean we had like those like Tascam four tracks and stuff that we like passed around but i don't know who actually owned the one we passed around but yeah we had those that we we'd mess around with and um i had this like karaoke machine that had you know two mic inputs so we i'd set that up and try to make that work as recording but uh again the first first time we did like a studio, which I loosely use that. It was like a guy's house, but it was yeah. this place called D- Digitrax in Bowie, Maryland. And at the time, like most, of, a lot of bands from Maryland were recording there. Like the, uh, the No Justice 7 Inch was recorded there. This band Daynada recorded some stuff there. What Lies Ahead. Um, and yeah, it was, I, I think the guy's name was Mike, but you know, I, I, I don't remember much else about it. Sure. 
uh what was the first band that you did that went to like an actual like you know quote unquote legitimate recording studio uh desperate measures recorded with dean i'm drawing a blank on atomic is that atomic music okay in new york um we did a seven inch over the weekend over a weekend there okay that was was pretty cool i didn't uh put new strings or set up my bass and i got a little chastised for it by um the the guy helping dean out but uh (laughs) that that didn't happen again i didn't i didn't know man yeah absolutely so but that was up in new york yeah yeah and that was that was uh that was an interesting weekend but but yeah it was uh in New York, I feel like I did my part pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and then kind of just absorbed the rest of it. How do you feel these? I mean, I know it's probably night and day between being a bass player recording and then being a singer recording. Um, but what do you take away from being in the studio these days? Like, do, uh, do you miss just getting to play an instrument? Do you like recording vocals? Like, wh- where's your head kind of land on that? Uh, I, I don't like like recording vocals because that never comes out the way I hear it in my head. Mm. But, um, I, I do like recording. I like, you know, hearing the things that you've been putting together and working on come to life in a studio. I think it's really, really cool. And I would, you know, it would be nice to just go in, play bass or guitar, rip out the tracks and then not have to think about it. But as I'm sure, you know, with vocals, I, in a lot of situations they're done last. So yeah. you have this anxiety the whole time of recording of like, you know, what's, you know, how am I going to be able to deliver? And like, you know, especially with our new record that I was like, these songs are so good. Like, I don't want to ruin them. Like, I don't want to, you know, add my part to it. And it like takes away from the rest of it. Right. So, and I, I think I always feel that way when, when we record, uh, but with, when doing it with vocals, it's definitely like very present. Yeah, no, I understand that. I understand that for sure. It's tough, especially <laughs> when your band writes a thing and you listen to it and you get all excited. You're like, damn, damn, yeah. I'm, so, I'm so amped on this. But then you have the overwhelming dread of like, well, what the fuck am I going to do on this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's not just like your, uh, your performance. Like it's also, you have to deliver good lyrics too. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you have two things that you're responsible for that w- could potentially make or break the record. Today's episode is brought to you by anchor fish printing. Hey, are you in a band? Do you run a label or maybe you just want to make some merch for fun? You should hit up anchor fish printing. They've been taking care of bands for over 15 years. I first met the owner, Michael, when my band Touche Amore started, and he was our go-to guy. You can visit what they have to offer over at anchorfishprinting.com. You can hit them up for all your merch needs, whether it's screen printing, embroidery, or maybe you just need some stickers. Mention the first ever podcast and get 10% off your order. How are you when it comes to lyrics? Like, are you... So I'm assuming you write after the music as we just sort of as yeah. we're just sussed out from that comment. Yeah. Um, is it something that it takes you a really long time? Do you wait until you have a lot of songs written before you start writing? Like, what is your process there? So I, you know, I'm, I've heard a lot of people do this. I, I do the notepad thing in my phone wherever, whenever I come up with a like an idea for a song or a line, I like I put it in my phone. And then as soon as a song is like pretty, the skeleton's there, whereas like there's not going to be a ton of big changes. I start 
uh, mapping it out and figuring it out how I'll approach it. Like I don't wait till I'm in the studio to to write lyrics or anything like that. Um, but I, you know, there have been situations where we we scrap it and I start over while I'm in the studio. But that's tough. Yeah, I mean, it's a good challenge. <laughs> It'll put it, you it put you in check. You know, it's so. true. And as much as I hate that with all of my heart and I being put in that position is like nightmare material. It does sometimes produce some of the best stuff because you have that fire under you and you are just sort of like in a state of panic. At least I'm speaking for myself. Do you feel that too? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm kind of always in a state of panic, but, but uh, (laughs) I think a lot of like, it, it didn't really happen with this one, but the last record we we did with Will, um, the most of the lyrics were written, and then we did like pre-production and some stuff. Like some parts got extended or or you know back, so we had to to add some lyrics. And uh, it was just me, Daniel, and Anthony at the studio, and everybody, all all three of us were kind of uh, finishing the lyrics out and adding or taking away. And that I really enjoyed that. Uh, so it's like a group effort. Yeah. Ex- yeah. And it was really cool. Whereas typically it's like me and Anthony or like I come up with most of it and then Anthony gives me a little feedback. But at that point it was everybody uh, chiming in. And I, I really, I really like that when everyone is, is jumping in to give their input and, you know, add themselves into the mix and, and add their character to it. For sure. No, I understand that as uh, maybe I misunderstood. Did Will not do this new record? No, so the new one, the the All in a Dream is Kevin Burtonston. Kevin oh, Burtonston okay. re- recorded it. Uh, Brian McTurnan pro- like produced and recorded vocals on it. Oh wow! How was working with him? I'm actually talking to him tomorrow. Oh, it's great. I love Brian. Um, he, we did a we did a song for AHC with him in 2017, and then him and I just became buds, and we he helped with some like. Uh, pre-production early on for the record and but working you know with vocals with him was just incredible because he knows every he knows everything i'm referencing oh and, okay. yeah and he'll sure. be like he'll be like nah that you know that i know what you're going for but you're doing it like try it this way try it that way which was was really cool i definitely so. feel like from the early praise stuff till now your your vocals feel a lot more realized like i don't think this is something you would take any sort of, I think you would under, like, yeah, I, I hear the rights of spring in it, obviously. Yeah, like that, yeah. That feels like a very big influence. And I also feel like there's a lot of people throughout the years who have tried to do that, that it hasn't really resonated. But I think that your take on it as an influence is really exciting because I think that you've sort of taken that and elevated it to a different level where you are making, um, you know, big choruses out of stuff which is like cool which is something that like rise of spring didn't do it was a lot of, you know it was it was it was uh for lack of a better term primitive for what they were doing at the time so like it feels like the next level of what they would be doing now is i don't know that's probably a big thing to say but uh there there there's things that praise does that gets me so amped on every the especially these last two records where I'll be enjoying the song. I'll be enjoying the song. And then a part and a song will hit or a chorus and it will hit or a line will hit. That just gets me so amped. And uh, it, I don't know. Uh, I, this isn't that there's no question in here. I'm just kind of rambling yeah. and telling you that I like stuff. Uh, but I will say, I think I wrote an email. The last track on that new record is 
I, it's so far it's my song of the year. Like that chorus is unbelievable. So, I, I appreciate that. I wish I could take credit for you, but that's that's a that's a cover. That's a Husker Du song. Is that why the fuck it sounds? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. But but I'm I'm flattered that you thought that we wrote that because what record, uh, wait, hold on. What record is that on? It's on Flip Your Wig. It's like in the middle of the record too. Holy shit! It's a, that is so funny. That and is it's a, so a, funny. It's a great heart song too. So it's like I feel like you know a lot of times who's could do people like covers. It's yeah. a lot of the time it's Bob Mold tracks. Yeah, dude. But, the thing is because it sounds like it would be like you guys did a great job of like you can hear your take on yeah, it. That was that. that was the intent to make it sound like you know not sh- stray from the original. Yeah, but make it our own. So and you did it. You you awesome. absolutely you. did it. Yeah, like Thank I mean. You uh the, the the single that's from uh leave it all behind the the opening track what's uh the, the, the remind me of the name sorry makes no sense yes uh like it seems like it would be the same you know like that feels like the next level of from the you know like a next song yeah. that you guys written. Yeah. it feels like very in the same energy that is so funny it's and i feel even worse because i own that record flip your wig but like when I listen to Who's do i usually go super early or like candy apple gray and that's yeah funny. yeah yeah. Candy Apple Gray is my favorite too. That's like when I typically, if I'm like in a do uh, mood, that's what yeah. I'm putting on. Now, you know, the second this thing ends, I'm I'm putting on that record and listen and going to that track because I'm so yeah. curious to AD it. I think that I think that might Grant Hart's vocals on that song might be like one of the greatest vocal performances like of all time. His oh, voice, man. there's so much character and emotion and urgency in his voice and it's it definitely was like a one take kind of thing because yeah. uh it's just so good it's so good are they are they like one of your favorite bands they're they're up there i think like you know them in replacements like the, all that minneapolis stuff is very uh very big for me because of the you know it's it's urgent it's aggressive but it's got a ton of melody and as you were talking about with the hooks like yeah i, I like big choruses and catchiness and and i'm always striving for that with like what, what I'm capable of doing with, with, with my voice, but, uh, sure. Yeah. I, gra- uh, I gravitate towards that stuff. Like I like melody. That's what's your replacements record. Uh, let it be or don't tell a soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's tough though, because you're like, but then there's Tim, but then, I mean, but then obviously like everybody knows this, but you know, please to meet me has can't hardly wait, which is one yeah. of my all time favorite songs ever. So yeah, it's tough. Uh, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's. Um, did you did you listen to like the other versions of uh, the Don't Tell Soul like that that re release? Yeah, that, or the, like on the extended release or whatever. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's crazy how just like how... is the is the rock version of Can't Hardly Wait on that? There's like a. It's like similar. So there's a version of Can't Hardly Wait that is like demoed. The lyrics are a little different. And Paul Westerberg, when like Paul Westerberg band toured, like he plays that version of it. And it's like full on rock, like yeah. amazing. Oh, and it's like kind of in one of the one of the demos, but I forget where it yeah. lies in there. There's online. even like because uh, there's like a box set. Uh, there's even like a version or, or there's like a session that's uh, Paul Westerberg and Tom Waits. I don't know if you've heard that. I haven't heard that. No, but they're both so drunk and they're literally just like. 
it's genuinely it's like you hear you're like these are two geniuses and it's not even fair because they're, yeah, yeah. okay. they're, they're like playing the songs but like making up lyrics as they go and laughing and making fun of each other in the middle of it it is so charming but you're just like fuck the both of you seriously like it's not even fair <laughs> yeah 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 you know what a friend turned me on to that i don't know if you if you're wherever if you've listened to but have you listened to the uh the that like an, the animated movie soundtrack that paul westerberg did for uh Open season, Open right? Season, yeah. Have you heard? Yeah, songs? it rocks. It rocks, dude. <laughs> it's so good. It, like I remember, I said I said that to uh, Justice, and, uh-huh. uh, or, or like we were hanging out one day, and I played it for Justice, and uh, like the "Love You in the Fall," never forget. He was like, "This might be the best song of all time." Straight I was, up. I feel like a friend of mine was watching that with his kid, and he mentioned that he was like, "Wait, this song rocks." Is this is this Westerberg? Like, what? Yep. yeah. And, yeah, and it's uh, yeah, it's fucking. Wait, it's literally it's an open season. Yeah, it's literally the open season soundtrack, but it's like it's it's literally just like. How many lyrics. songs did he do for it? Is it more? I thought it was just two. Is no, it a man, whole soundtrack? Yeah, yeah, it has uh, it has seven songs. Oh wow! Yeah. I need to revisit that. Yeah, it rocks. It fucking That's... rocks. <laughs> uh, are you a vinyl guy? Uh, I like records, but uh. I don't have a lot of space in my house, my, my current room. So I don't buy a lot anymore. And it's, it's funny. My once, when I was at my parents this weekend, my mom got me a Paramore record for Christmas that like just came and like, I opened it up, looked at it and then just put it back downstairs with the stuff. She was like, you're not taking it home. I was like, what? I, I don't have a turntable in my house. Like I don't have any records in my house. Yeah. But so, so I, I tend to not, if I'm like not going to use it at the time. Sure. Being, yeah. It's responsible. But I do. Yeah, there's occasionally records that that uh, that I'll buy just because I think it's important to have. But totally. Well, what I was gonna say was um, because no one really gives a shit about that. I come yeah. across it a lot at record yeah. stores, and I was gonna say if I come across it again, I'll pick one up for you. I'd appreciate that. Yeah, that's one. That's one that I would like to have to, <laughs> to add to my like five other ten inches that. Yeah, the dreaded ten inch. Yeah. Um. So what was uh what was the first time that you toured? Was it with Desperate Measures? Uh. So so yeah. I I I'd say kind of. We did a Desperate Measures toured summer. It was like the summer I graduated. So summer two thousand one in True Blue from Germany. Uh, came to the U.S. and we were supposed to do. I think True Blue was here for two weeks, and we were supposed to play some of the shows, but it just ended up really weird where we played like New Jersey, Erie, and then like hung out in New York and then went home and then ended up back in upstate New York and played uh, like then played DC again. It was really bizarre. I don't, it wasn't really a tour. It was just like a handful of shows. Sure. Um, And then I guess the first, like first tour I did was uh, we I played bass in first step and I, we did a West coast tour and that was like December 01, January 02, I think. Okay. Yeah. Craig Bacon was also a bass player in that band, right? Yeah. He played after me. Oh, after you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Craig, Craig is, uh, is mysterious to me because he's been in so many bands, but I feel like whenever I've seen those bands live, he's not playing bass. It's someone else. Oh, interesting. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful person. I love Greg. <laughs> yeah, me too. He's, uh, he's, he's the best. Um, and so yeah like i'm curious because i know desperate measures put out records on young blood mm-hmm. um and then 
talk to me about because I know you did some time in Champion as well, and that's a Seattle band. Did you move? Did you move to Seattle for a while? Uh, I I kind of just couch surfed. I'd go out there for like extended amounts of times, based like around tours and stuff like that. Yeah. So so like it it was all it was very uh, like DM Desperate Measures did a bunch of shows with First Step. Then First Step asked me to do this tour. Then I ended up joining First Step, and then that that west coast tour was with champion and stay gold so i met the champion guys and then became friends with them and then in 04 they asked me to play play bass for like a couple tours and then i ended up joining that champion like after the first tour okay and as i'm assuming that's where your friendship with like a ram started because then i then it seems like for the next ton of years you put out a lot of records on react which is a yeah. label. Yeah. Yeah. So like when, when the idea started, I, you know, brought it up to Ram and he was just like, yeah, of course, like just send me the songs, you know, whatever you want to do. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then from there and then, and uh, I th- think in, in, in 2013 or 2014, Ev from mindset took over react from a Ram. So, and then same thing. It was just like, well, Ev's one of our best, one, you know, one of my best friends too. So, why you know just no need to change yeah yeah exactly <laughs> it's like it's like i don't care who runs the label just put out my stuff please yeah yeah it's helpful that they're people that you really love and and get along with a thousand percent um and uh what was the first time i mean i, I because you've been in so many bands what was the first band you went to like europe with uh that was that was champion yeah okay champion. yeah yeah How- i did most of the the inter- first international stuff was with champion for sure yeah, how was your first? How was your first time over there? Uh, I I had a really hard time. If you ask them, they could tell you about it. I uh, the food situation was not cool. Uh, I wasn't as open to eating certain things and yep. living certain cer- being in certain situations. Yeah, but um, you know, now when I go back, it's a little it's a little better. Yeah, it sounds like you and I have a lot in common. I, I I've always historically been a very picky eater. Yeah, And I was very nervous going over there the first time because uh-huh. especially on those first tours, I mean, you're just getting, you're basically getting punk stew every single day. Yeah. Yeah. Which you, you hand that to, you put that in front of a kid who's, who's picky or just like, you want me to eat this beige slop? Yep. Like, yeah, it was, bread. it was, t- so at that time I didn't, you know, I stopped, I stopped eating meat in the late nineties, uh-huh. but I was not like a good vegetarian. Like I didn't really like vegetables. So I just yeah. like ate pizza and veggie burgers and stuff. And, uh, we went to, um, we went to a McDonald's and they had this thing called a gamuza Mac, which was like, I, I loosely use the term like veggie burger. And it was like fried and airy. And like, when you bit into it, it was like peas and carrot. It was just not, it was so gross. I was so yeah. disgusted. Yeah. And, at that time, I drank a lot of Coca-Cola, too. So I'm like, okay, finally, I can have a big Coca-Cola. I can have a veggie burger. They give me a Coca-Cola with no ice. You know, and I'm just like, my day was ruined. You know, looking back, it's like the dumbest thing to be upset about. Yeah, but, yeah. but at that time, I was so, so bummed. And, you, yeah. know, the, I, you know, probably felt most of the world revolved around me at that time. And, you know, luckily, they all thought it was funny and got a kick out of it. But I was, I was pretty upset. So. It's tough. I mean, I'm, I was, I'm with you. It's like, and you, in that moment, just that Coca-Cola was a moment that was like you searching for some sort of comfort and home, but then it was handed to you, uh, lukewarm and, yep. uh, 
<laughs> or or on on stage, someone brings brings you a bottle of water and you start chugging it, and it's, it's bubbles. Water. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It takes a minute to get used to. It took me a really long time to find the things that um, I can I can navigate with, and also just <laughs> over time, you know, becoming less picky and and finding the things that I'm comfortable with and and all of that. But yeah, no, I'm with you. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, it's tough because like. I was raised in a family that didn't uh, go out to a lot of dinners and it was oh, and, like, we never, and we like never went to like anywhere that wasn't like generic ass American food. You know, yeah. I was a latchkey kid. So like my mom's working till six and if I'm lucky, I'm getting pizza or McDonald's, you know, it's like one of yeah. those sorts of things. So yeah, it's like we start, all, you know, all the guys in my band, they're all raised with like a bunch of different, you know, kinds of food in the house and whatever else. So like I was always just intimidated and nervous and whatever else. So like I, I feel I feel what you're saying for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like my parents were pretty good or, you know, my mom was pretty good about giving us food, but it wasn't like she wasn't like making us curry. You know, she was, it right, was like yeah. it, it was like Italian or yeah. hamburgers or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and 90 yeah. percent of the flavors in Europe are curry. It's like everything yeah, yeah. is pre-flavored. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love, you know, yeah. as an adult, I love those things. But, yeah. 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 But yeah. When you're not used to it, it's like, it's a little, you're like, it was, yeah. like, even the ketchup is curry. What's going on here? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a culture shock for sure. For sure. Okay. And I was, but the thing was, I was so excited to go to Europe. Cause like, there's so many bands that I like, I was like sportswear's from Europe and main strike <laughs> and like, just so, so excited. Yeah. And then I couldn't even like get a meal that, that satisfied me. But. Sure. Yeah. No, I feel it. I feel it. Yeah. I, there was times where I was like, I have, to, if I'm going to Europe, I have to pack at least like fucking 25 cliff bars. Yeah. Yeah. Survive, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I know you are a photographer who's done a lot of uh, stuff for like uh, looking at um, the records you've had your photos in seems pretty exciting. Like when did you get into photography and when did that part of your life start? Uh, so my dad, I feel like my dad always had, was always taking pictures. Like it's a shame because like all of our family pictures, he's not in a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But, um, so like, I feel like there was always access to the, to cameras around the house to play with. And, uh, and then when I started going to shows, I just like was bringing, you know, disposable cameras or, and stuff like that. And then in high school, I, I took photography for a couple of years. So I had access to their film cameras and their dark room and stuff. So I just wanted, I thought, you know, I thought, I think hardcore and punk is just like the coolest thing ever. So I wanted to take photos of it. And I'd say from like 99 to maybe um, 2007 or 2008, I I had my camera with me at most shows, like most the tours that I went on and I was always taking photos. I just, I just enjoyed taking photos of the things that I thought was cool. And then like, I kind of stopped taking photos because all these other amazing photographers were popping up and yeah. I didn't feel as though what I was doing was like unique. So, and I was like, these people are doing these wonderful things. Like I don't, there doesn't need to be another photographer. So I found other stuff to do. Yeah. So do you, to this day, like these days, do you not, do you not really take photos? No, no, I, I, it's pretty, it's pretty rare nowadays. Cause there's just so many people that take photos and so many people who are so talented. And I'm, like I said, I just like, I don't feel when I see their photos, you know, like Angela or Farah or Todd or, you know, there's just so many people uh, that I don't, I'm not like, I can't do it better than that. Like, and I don't have like, I don't see it differently. Like they're capturing it perfectly. So sure. Yeah. That's just kind of, you know, I I will say you do have a bit of a flex though, because you have like photos that are in like 
a lot of, re- including like, was like a sick of it all record you have one of your photos in? Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> that was Talk crazy. to me about how that happened. I just uh, champion toured with him. And I, like I said, I, I had my camera, I took photos every night. And then um, what I would typically do is I would just print doubles of everything when I got home and then send the doubles to the bands, like, find, you know, get an address and send it to them. And the thing that was cool about that is like, especially if it's like a band that you really like, you you get the record and then it's like, uh, like that's a good all thing. Like they didn't email me or call me to, to ask. They just put it in there. So when I bought the record, you know, it, it's death to tyrants, right? It's like so, the yeah. mid 2000s one. Yeah. I bought it and was like, whoa, this is my photo. Like, this is crazy. Uh, that's awesome. That's, uh, oh, it's funny. That's the record that's on Abacus too. Oh, Abacus. Yep. Yep. That's wild. Do you know... Do you know Ray Harkins or Joey Cahill? Because Joey just does six one three one, and Ray Harkins he does like. I, I know who they are. I don't. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, was say I, they, I don't. They both worked at that label, which is oh, interesting. But yeah, what was it? A subsidiary? It was like a subsidiary of something, right? Of Century Media, kind of. I think it was like the owner of Century Media branched off and wanted to start that, and it was pretty short lived. But they have like when you when you kind of reflect on it, it has a really crazy like. What they put out was all over the yeah, place. Yeah, they put out. I know they put out the Ignite record too, Our Darkest yes. Days. Yeah, they uh, did. Uh, but then they also did like, um, they did like the Juliana Theory randomly. Oh, they did, interesting. Uh, Turbo Negro. They did uh, a lot of like. Oh, they did stuff. Party Animals, right? Yeah, they did. Like, uh, but then like Caliban. They did Planes Mistaken for Stars, Cancer Bats, like the di- that band the distance uh they put out like the oh, like, yeah, yeah. radio the like the radio rocky kind of record yeah um uh, all else failed uh yeah it was pretty all over so, the place sworn enemy oh wow interesting yeah yeah, yeah. hmm um That's... but i was gonna make a joke and I, I liked that uh they used your photo without your permission and then um i, I just wanted to somehow point the point the finger at joey and ray and maybe blame it on them for not uh doing their due diligence as a record uh, label <laughs> I, I, yeah i don't say that as any uh i like when i sent them if i my in my head it was like i'm sending them these photos they're free to do whatever they want with it a thousand like, percent you know I'm, what laugh, I mean? so, I'm laughing at it with a 2022 brain where i was like well that would never happen these days yeah yeah and that, that i mean think of it all was like a big one for me and my brother so like yeah that was really, really cool. What an honor. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, talk to me about the first band that you sang in. Was it Praise or was there a band yeah. before that? Oh, really? No, pra- yeah, Praise is the only band. And it was kind of just out of necessity, too. Like, I had written the songs and asked a couple friends, and it just kept falling apart. So I just said, yeah, screw it. I'll do it. I'll write the lyrics and figure it out. What was it like the first time yelling into a microphone and hearing yourself back? I mean, you already discussed having a little, a little it was a bit uncomfortable and and obviously like I don't have the strongest voice even when I practice a lot. And then I like that, I had no idea how to sing. So I, you know, just immediately blowing my voice out, you know, it took a, it took a few days, you know, going back to the studio with Kevin to, to finish those vocals for the new record. No, for for the first seven inch. Yeah. So we did, yeah, we did our first, uh, two seven inches with Kevin, and then we did the la- this last one with him. Oh, that's cool. That's cool that it like came full circle around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was um, awesome. And uh, what was the first show that you played singing? Like, what was the first praise show? So the first praise show was at a place called Sidebar in Baltimore with Shook Ones, um, Make Do and Mend, 
and we are the union. Wow, that is very 2011, 10? Nine. 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 Okay, yeah, nine. And, nine. and Title Fight was supposed to play, but yep. they got that, but they got that newfound glory tour. Because I remember that tour. It was it was a tour Shook Ones Make Do and We Are the Union, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and Title Fight was also on it originally too. Oh yeah. So because when we uh I think my friend Anton did the show, he was like, Hey, Title Fight is playing this you know do you want this to be praises for a show that's interesting because i'm also thinking that all of those bands were on that also short-lived defunct label paper and plastic paper with Vinny from less than jake right yes interesting wow uh yeah again very of the time very of the time yeah uh that rules uh how was that first show for you it was cool it was fun we covered battery uh, we've covered Go Back to the Gym. It all comes full and, circle to Brian McKernan. Yeah, always. Um, and yeah, it was it was cool. I thought it went well. I thought it was a, a cool gig. Yeah. Can't complain. Uh, yeah. Uh, do, do you like, do you have any takeaways from like, what was uh, it? Because something that's kind of fun to talk to singers about, uh, like the first time they do it is how you don't know how your body is going to react once the song starts in front and you're in front of people. Like you don't yeah. know, you don't know what your moves are until the show starts. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, what, what, how, how, how did it go? Talk to me about how it went. I, so I, I don't, I don't think that I have this like profound, interesting stage presence or anything like that. So I don't think it was like, oh, I was amazing, you know, but I don't <laughs> think, uh, I don't think it was bad either. I also like, you know, I, I had been doing bands for a long time at that point and or not a long time, but, you know, yeah, I know you long mean. enough. And, you know, every time you start a new band with someone who hasn't sung in a band before, the first thing they say after the show is like, wow, I'm a lot more tired or winded than I expected. Yep. So I had I, I mean, I still have all that stuff in the back of my head, like to like conserve my energy and, and, and not push it, push my voice too hard. And, you know, so. I definitely lost my voice and was winded. And those, there's a, fir those first few th shows I was like, would have to, I threw up after we played cause I was just Oof. exerted. But, yeah. uh, I think I, f I kind of figured it out. I'm, I feel like I'm always trying to figure it out. I wouldn't say I haven't figured it out. Yeah. This wasn't your first band that you did with Daniel too, right? This was, yeah. So, so this was praise was interesting because it was like really, all people who I hadn't really played in bands with before. Um, it was a band called peace or something. Weren't you guys in that together? Yeah. But, but pr that was after like, so that, that after? was, okay. Yeah. Not it's pretty, they're pretty close together, but oh, praise okay, had started fair. before. Yeah. Yeah. Fair, fair. Yeah. How, how did you meet Daniel? How did he come? Cause he had to been younger than you. Yeah. Daniel was younger. He, so uh, there's this place called arts, charm city art space. Yep. Uh, as I'm sure you know. Um, yep. And I saw Daniel, he showed up to the gig, he had a Madball sweatshirt on and that he used to wear to all these gigs and long hair. I thought he looked cool. And then he, I think the band that I saw him playing first was this band called Bad Habit. And mm. uh, he just, he was an amazing, amazing drummer. And I was like, I'm going to like, I'm going to snatch this dude up. I'm going to start a band with this kid. And, uh, and then like a week later, the mindset guys were like, yeah, we got this new drummer. His name's Daniel. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> so, so yeah, but then as a result of that, like Mike from mindset and Chris from mindset, it was like the three of our three of Daniel, Mike and Chris 
in this guy Colby, and that's like that's the first incarnation of praise. Mm. So, got it, got it. Yeah, he's phenomenal, and what a what a what a guy, what a guy. Exactly, that's all yeah, I can say. All you can say about that guy is what a guy. I just love him so much, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I everyone's life is better knowing him. I, Absolutely, I, I strongly feel that. Yeah. Um, cool, man. Well, hey, I'll hit you with the last question, which is, when was the first time that you felt like you were doing the thing you'd been working so hard towards? Um, okay, so I, I had some time to think about this. Yeah. And there's there's two moments. And the first one would be on the that first step tour. Um, we played Gilman, and that that was uh, I mean, I, I still when I think about it, to be honest, like everything since that moment has been just like extra icing on the cake. Like that, uh, as I stated, like. Green Day was a big one for me. And then from Green Day came like Rancid and Operation Ivy and, and of course Minor Threat, like who's my favorite band of all time. And then like Redemption 87. And then you go, at, you know, by the time I'm at Redemption 87 and Nerve Agents, I'm finding out about Unit Pride. And it's like Gilman was just everything to me besides Wilson Center. But uh, so playing on that. And then at that time too, you know, I would like, as I was doing this music stuff, like none of it really impressed my brother. Like he was like totally big, big brother and me being dismissive. But when I came home from that tour and was like, yo, I, I played Gilman. Like I played the place that we watched Green Day play and Rancid and stuff. And he was like, whoa, that's awesome. So that, you know, that, that was pretty big for me. Yeah. And, and then the other one is, is, um, I think when Leave It All Behind came out because, uh, I did. I, that was the first layout for a praise record that I had done on my own. Like people proofed it and stuff, but for the most part, uh, that was all. My, uh, you know, you know, I I put it together and stuff like that with feedback from the band. But it was like the most uh, visual and audio version of extension of myself um, to that point. And you know, I feel that way about All in a Dream as well. But um, those those two moments were the ones that stuck out when you sent that question. For I sure. love it. I love it. I, especially, yeah. I mean, both those make sense, but um, I always love when it's like, you know, uh, some sort of some getting to play in some sort of artifact that is a part of your childhood. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, so much stuff traces back. Like, you know, all those bands, all the bands that I love. Like, you know, the the Green Day thing. You know, I keep bringing up Green Day, but like that was so instrumental for my brother and I, for, you know, what we liked in terms of music. And there was like a long time, I couldn't even listen to it because it reminded me so much of him. But, but now in the last like five years, as I revisit all the stuff that I listened to him from that time, it's just like, it, it feels really, really nice. It's a really nice feeling. I appreciate that. And thanks for sharing that. Thanks for your time, man. This was great. Yeah. Yeah. This was great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Take care, buddy. Take care. And that is our show. Thank you so much to Andy for coming on and thank you for listening. If you haven't subscribed to the show over on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, wherever it is you're listening to this, please do so. It helps a lot. Also, leaving a positive rating and review also helps oh so much. 
Um, and don't forget, there's a bonus episode available right now over on the Patreon. Just head on over to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon. All right. Take care of yourself, and I will see you next week.